Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This with me, your host, Junior Renee Bobrun. Thank you guys for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, I'd like to welcome you. If you are a returning listener, I'd like to welcome you back to this ongoing conversation. Now, today is September 6th. 2021. Usually I don't date my episodes because um, I do them sporadically or I do them all in a bunch and I sometimes I spread them out and oftentimes I'll do an episode the particular day that I feel like doing it and I'll post it that day or I'll wait till the next day etc etc but today is special. The reason why it's special is because today is Labor Day 2021. I did an episode, a Labor Day episode, earlier today. I deleted it. it. It's the first time that I deleted an episode that I finished. I never listened to the things that I say back. I just didn't like the tone. Don't know why it didn't feel right towards the end. The last 10 minutes, I didn't like it. And I don't have an editing system here, by the way, guys. I don't edit. I just go. So... There was no way to edit it out, and, and that's something I may have to work on because the first, I want to say about 70 to 80% of that uh, particular episode was pretty good, but I liked it. Well, I liked it, but um, that last 20% of it I didn't like, and um, so I end up having to scrap it all, and I'm taking it into a totally different direction now, you know, after just thinking about it. And the reason why I'm going to take it another direction is it actually has to do with an Instagram post that I saw earlier today. <clears throat> and we'll get to that. Now, in any case, like I said, it's September 6th, 2021, Monday. Happy Labor Day to everyone out there. Before we get started, I'd like you guys to take a look at a particular website, the website that I choose to use for my vitamin and supplement needs. That site is onelavi.com. That is O-N-E-L-A-V-I.com. Like I've said before on a couple of occasions, in this era where we are appropriately stressing the em and emphasizing our immune system and our health for reasons that I don't have to go into detail about right now, in this era, it, it would behoove you to not do this and to, to not find a way to supplement your diet. I've said it before, the foods that we eat in our industrialized system of, 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 of food and the supply chain and how we get our food and the food that we eat is sourced and shipped to us so far from where we live that it lacks the nutrients that we need to sustain us. You may feel full. But guess what? You're not full of nutrients. That's why you need to supplement. And this website, O-N-E-L-A-V-I, onelavi.com, does a great job of sourcing its vitamins from great companies all over the world. And don't take my word for it. Go on there. Check it out. They have home products, beauty products, baby products, accessories. But I am there for my vitamins and my supplements. All right. So check it out. Get your vitamins, get your minerals, get them in every day, get them in several times a day. If you don't end up using this site, fine, do it anyway. Go someplace else, go to your favorite or your trusted brand or whatever. But I would suggest that you check this out. You double and you triple check the manufacturers and and do what I do. Press click purchase and have at it. Also, we do have our. Uh, Notebooks available at ChavezHouse.com and at Chavez House Publishing on Amazon. And we are starting an Etsy store. We're getting that situated where we're going to have Lenore. I think it's called LB's Books and Apparel. Got to gotta, gotta find out what that, what's going on with that. What's the name exactly? But that's where you get your essential self-publishing blueprint. You get your, the, the, your daily journals your fitness journals, your notebooks, whether you're a PhD or a sixth grader, 
these notebooks, these decorative notebooks are great. We have different notebooks representing flags of different countries, nationalities, things of that nature, as well as other decorative style notebooks. It's a great place to go. Check ChavezHouse.com and also check out Chavez House Publishing on Amazon. Okay, now. So here we are. I think this is season three. I think we're in episode 11. Season three, episode 11. Um, we've been doing this for a little while now, guys, and I appreciate it. I've been at this since about February or March of this year. I would like you guys to definitely, uh, when you watch this show or when you listen to this show, share it with a friend. Definitely like it if you listen to it on Apple Podcasts. I'm in talks right now with Spotify because for some odd reason, when I Google this show, it's my Spotify placement isn't being shown. It's shown everywhere else, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Audible, but for whatever reason, Spotify isn't showing. I don't know why, but even though it's available on Spotify. You know, a lot of friends of mine listen to this on Spotify. In any case, please rate, please review, and please subscribe to this show if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening to it on Spotify, definitely please like it or follow the show and uh, it's important. It's important to build up the algorithm. I just got a, 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 memo, a notification from somewhere in Asia that's saying that my show is trending in Asia. And I'm going, okay, I'll take it. You know, so there's an uptick. And, and they couldn't tell me which show because I wanted to know what topic that resonated with the audience out there. I think it was, it was a couple of places in Asia. It was Cambodia. It was the Philippines and someplace else. And I was like, really? I've been to Cambodia, hung out there for a while. And um, I thought maybe it's the friends of mine that I told about the show and they shared it. That's possible. Um, I don't know many people from the Philippines. I'm, you know, I have loose affiliations with people in the Philippines, so I don't know how that's going on. But I'll take it. I'll take it. It's awesome. Uh, the fact that the show is reaching people, you know, that you never know. This this is a force multiplier. This is a conversation that I want us to have and I want us to share, and I want us to expand this tribe. So if you guys, if you guys are uh, reoccurring listeners, you guys know that I like to name my episodes, and from that title of the episode is where I pretty much create the stream of consciousness, right? So this episode, because it's Labor Day, I was going to call it, uh, instead of calling it Life is What You Make It, which is what, which is what an episode I had in mind, uh, uh, from the last couple of days, but being that Labor Day was coming, I decided to call it labor is what you make it. And, um, and labor and life intertwined. You are what you do. And some people would say you do what you are, right? There are certain people out there that are living out their dreams, their vocations, their passions. That's what they do. What I'm doing right now, speaking to you and cracking this mic this comes a little easy for me. It would be great to make this, if this was my primary stream of income, I would love it because this speaking to people, conveying how I feel, what I'm thinking, making the inroads, uh, it, it's something that comes natural. It's something that I'm, I realize I'm passionate about. I'm realizing that there's no way for me to put the mic down. I've, I've not always been the kind of person that's been a quote unquote public speaker, but I've been the kind of person that I've been there for friends and family, older and younger. Uh, and I've been there to be a counselor to them to a certain degree and, and be there to sort of unpack the things that are going on. I've always been that person since I was in my adolescence, even though sometimes my life might have looked, I might not have been pra practicing the things that I've been saying, but the things that I was saying made sense. And they crystallized a lot of the... Uh, events that may have been going on in a person's life or in the world in general. So this thing I do on this mic comes natural to me. So labor is what you make it. Life is what you make it. We are what we do. And we sometimes we do what we are. Correct. So in keeping with Labor Day, let me go back and speak about that Instagram post that I saw. I was uh, just scrolling through Instagram, as many of us do, which I'm reducing the amount of times I actually do that. Oh, by the way, whose world is this? 21 at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions, questions, and concerns. Also, whose world is this? 2021 is our Instagram page. We'll get to that. So, I'm scrolling through Instagram. 
come across a post and it says, let's remember the 13 fallen soldiers uh, in the airport bombing that occurred in Afghanistan on August 26th of this year, a couple of weeks ago, if not a more, you know, yeah, about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and um, it said, uh, remember them. And then it said, happy Labor Day. Now, when I saw that, it jarred my memory. And I'm so glad that I deleted that last episode because if I let, if I posted that one, well, I, I, you know, fine, I would have posted it, but then I would have had to do another episode, like a part two of Labor Day because it jarred my memory. And what jarred my memory was the number 13. Why was that number 13 important? There were 13 soldiers that were killed two weeks ago in Afghanistan at, at the Kabul airport in Afghanistan. And, uh, that number and then Labor Day with that number jogged my memory. Why did it jog my memory? Why? Because of Labor Day itself. Do you guys know why we celebrate Labor Day, by the way? We say happy Labor Day. Do you think that we're celebrating workers and giving workers a day off for the things that they're going through? And, you know, you know, is this a is, is this a worker appreciation day? Is that what is is that what you think it is? Does anyone out there actually know why this is Labor Day? I mean, we know Memorial Day where, you know, we'll get into Memorial Day another time, maybe next year, Memorial Day. But, you know, for soldiers, you know, so it's interesting that that particular person on Instagram decided to use Labor Day to commemorate soldiers when there were 13 people who died that helped create what we call Labor Day today. Did you know that? Well, 1882 is where I think Labor Day was actually created, when it was created, but it wasn't a national holiday in 1882. 1882, some unions, I think it was the Carpenters Union, I think the guy's name was McGuire, Peter McGuire, I think his name was, and, you know, they started a sort of like a, and that was like a workers' appreciation, unions' workers' appreciation day, Labor Day. But it wasn't until 1894 that Labor Day became a federal holiday. And why in 1894, 12 years after it was just a sort of a local union sort of holiday appreciation, why 12 years after that, the gr president at the time, Grover Cleveland, make Labor Day a federal holiday? Why is that? Well, it was to commemorate and to reconcile the fact that 13 workers that were striking were killed in 1894. And dozens more were injured in 1894. That's why that number 13 with the Labor Day hit me right in my head and go, oh, wait a minute, wasn't there? And my brain, you know, I studied this stuff. I studied labor laws. I studied Marxism. I studied capitalism. I studied feudalism for fun, not for school. And then when I went to school, I studied it for school. But I already knew the stuff that I was studying. So for me, labor and the antagonistic relationship between management, ownership, and labor has something that is something that's always intrigued me. No matter if it's been in the United States, whether it's been in Europe, it doesn't matter. That dynamic has intrigued me from an academic level, from a from a, uh, a civil rights level, a human rights level, all all tiers. So, yeah, your Labor Day, our Labor Day in September, was it the first Monday in September? Or was it the second Monday in September? We celebrate this. We're commemorating 13 people who died, who were killed under President Grover Cleveland's watch. You know how they were killed? They were boycotting the Pullman strike in Pullman, Illinois. You want to know something about Pullman, Illinois? Well, Pullman, Illinois was where one of the railroads in Chicago, big railroad, most of our mail in the United States were going through these railroads from east to west, west to east, north to south. And this Pullman person, 
right? He owned the town. He owned the stores. He owned the schools. He owned the railroad. He owned the homes that the workers rented. So the workers that worked for the Pullman Railroad rented their homes from Mr. Pullman and they worked for Mr. Pullman's railroad. That's what it was. Now, people, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you guys are familiar with feudalism. That's what predates capitalism. That's the system that we had in place. So remember what I just said. Pullman owned the town. He owned the homes, all of them. You could only rent in Pullman's town. You couldn't own in Pullman's town. So you rented. Your wages went straight to the rent of Pullman's homes. You shopped at Pullman's stores and you worked for Pullman's railroad. Now, feudal system, as I remember it, right? It's a political system where landholders provide land to tenants in exchange for their loyalty and service. Okay. Now, this is happening in the 1890s. Land by landowners providing land to tenants in exchange for their loyalty and service. Okay. So a funny thing happens. Okay. Wages had to be cut. I don't want to get into the whole rigmarole of what happened during this uh, situation where, you know, farmers and, and the rice and the price of this went down and the price of that went down. In any case, the Pullman Railroad decided to cut wages. But guess what? They cut wages, but they didn't cut the price of the rent. So guess what? Your wages were cut by Mr. Pullman, but Mr. Pullman didn't decrease the amount of the rent of the homes that Mr. Pullman owned. So the people are saying, wait, you cut our wages, but you didn't cut our rent in a, or decrease our rent commensurate to the wage. So um, what are we to do? Mr. Pullman shrugged his shoulders and said, well, you know, you have a pitchfork or you have a, uh, uh, hammers and sledgehammers, you can all go kick rocks. That's pretty much in translation. I'm, I'm giving you the cliff notes. I'm just going off the top. But here's what's interesting. These men said, uh-uh, you cut our wages. We're not asking you for the same wage. We're not saying don't cut our wages. You decided to cut our wages, fine. You have your reasons. The 1890s, there was somewhat of a depression. We've had a lot of great depressions, people, just so you know. It wasn't just in the 1920s and 30s, but I'll get to that another time. But they weren't complaining about their wages being cut. They were complaining about the fact that, wait, you cut our wages, but you're not. How are we supposed to pay our rent? And we're paying our rent to you. It's not like we have to we have to appeal to some other body. You are the person. He said, yeah, so what? So these people, these men, these brave men decided to boycott. And they said, you know what? We're not working. We're not going to work. We're not doing that. They boycotted. Now, remember what I said earlier. This is where a lot of us got our courier, got our mail. This railway system was extremely important. Extremely important. Now, did Mr. Pullman capitulate and go, hey, listen, man, this is one of the most important railway systems in the country. I cannot afford to have this railway boycotted and have our system of mail just obstructed in this manner. OK, I will cut the uh, 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 the rent to be commensurate to your wage. Okay, and just with the agreement in place that when I increase the wage again, if that ever occurs again, I am going to increase the rent accordingly because he can do that. Why? Because he owns the land. He owns the homes. He owns the stores. He owns the chores. He owns the he owns everything. It's Pullman, Illinois, and he's Pullman. Okay. All right. He doesn't do that. You know what he does? He calls the president. 
President Grover Cleveland. And does Grover Cleveland say to Mr. Pullman, listen, man, you're making a mess over there in Pullman. Fix it. Okay? What are they asking for? They're asking you to decrease the rent so it's, so it's equal to their pay because you're the one who actually is their landlord and their boss. You're their lord. You're their feudal lord. You're not operating under a capitalist system here, ladies and gentlemen, at that moment. Pullman, as many towns were, this wasn't just Pullman. There are a lot of coal mining towns we could get into, but we're going to get into this because it's about Labor Day. I can get into a whole lot of towns that were like this, but we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about this because this is this is what precedes Labor Day. In any case, did Grover Cleveland say, hey, listen, pull, pulley, enough of the nonsense. Knock it off. Knock the rent down so we can go on business as usual. All right. No. You know what Grover Cleveland does? Grover Cleveland sends troops to stop the boycott. At the time, the railway u- railway union was being headed up by Eugene V. Debs. Now, what you guys need to know about early America is, I'm not going to say early America, but this time in America, there were a lot of socialists and a lot of communists in this country. You know, the funny thing is, you know, America had a had a whole immigration issue where they wanted to have more Europe. They wanted to keep America looking European and not looking colored like, you know, the people from South America and the Caribbean and African places like that. But you know what you brought with that? You brought people who knew about unions. <laughs> you know about people who knew how to arbitrate and collectively bargain for their wages like they do out there in Europe. So what ended up happening is all these Europeans you brought here, guess what they brought with them? They brought with them their ability to boycott and negotiate and collectively bargain and arbitrate. Hello. So you had a lot of socialists and a lot of communists here. As a matter of fact, it wasn't frowned upon the way it is now. We'll talk about that another time. The Joseph McCarthy and the House on Un-American Activities Committee and HUAC and things like that. And how Joseph Stalin was our friend at one point. We used to call him Uncle Joe. But that's another story. A lot of people who like to call socialism and communism the boogeyman as if it's the boogeyman don't understand its roots in this country and how you're able to have a lot of the things you have today like your sick days and your unemployment insurance thank the boogeyman in any case back to back to our story did grover cleveland go to pulley and go hey man you know why don't you knock the rent down a little bit until we get things in order in this country You're causing a boycott with your foolery. You own the town. You own everything. You are the landlord. You are the lord, the feudal lord. You are a monarch. You are a ruler. You have the ultimate power of the pen in this town. So knock the rent down a bit, man. They didn't have that conversation. Instead, as did many robber barons and landlords and feudal lords did in America, they called on the power of the state. They got the president on the horn and Grover Cleveland said, we're not going to have this going on. Boycott. Employee empowerment. What? Knock it off. And those 13 people died at the hand Of those troops, it was a peaceful boycott until met with the power of the state. 13 plus people died. Workers, workers, railway workers died and dozens more were injured. And that wasn't just the only place that they died. All over, there were, there were, there were, there were a lot of boycotts going on in other places. We're just going to focus on that 13. And after that... There was a quote-unquote reconciliation where Grover Cleveland said that this we will now, you know, uh, uh, commemorate blah, 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 workers, et cetera, et cetera. And from here on out, as in 1894, I decree and bequest and bequeath unto you that the national holiday will be put in, federal holiday will be put in the honor of those that are laborers in our country, the dignity of man is in his work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What do we do about that? Do you think it's time for a moment of silence? I think right now is an appropriate moment. This Labor Day, while everyone is everyone has already eaten their barbecue or t- 
taken their day off or maybe went on a long three-day weekend or was just sitting around watching TV. We never talk about this in this country. These are the things that you don't learn in grade school, in high school, in college. When people have conversations with me about capitalism and this and that and the third, and I go, do you know the bloody struggle for the American worker to get a modicum of dignity in this country. Do you have any idea? None. All we are told, and respectfully, I don't admonish the people who argue with me without having this information. This information was withheld from us. In a country that loves to espouse its history and its glory days, these these are the not-so-glorious stories, but yet they are. Those men died for us to have off days. The 16-hour, 18-hour workday was a norm until men and women decided to say enough was enough, got on the front lines, and labor went to war with the state because they were getting their heads cracked in and they were getting shot down by police. What is police? They are what? Law enforcement. Business, the banking industry, the manufacturing industry, the industrialists all had politicians in their pocket, presidents included. And when the business tycoon said, hey, listen, we're the reason why you got that campaign money for you to run and, and win and get reelected, fix this. We can't have higher wages and less less working hours. Are you kidding me? It's going to cripple our industry. 18 hours to 12 hours. How are we supposed to make any money? 18 hours to 16, 16 hours to 12. The eight hour workday was one of the great compromises in American history between labor and ownership. And it was bloody and it was nasty. And to me, and I've said this since I was a teenager, the eight-hour workday is excessive. That's why many places around the, around the world for years have been trying to cut down to a what? A four-hour workday. In many places in Europe and in South America, you have two, three-hour siestas where you get to go home and spend time with your family. And you have, in, uh, uh, in Europe, you have four-week vacation time, a month and a month and a half off from work. In the United States, this is unheard of. But your eight-hour workday and your unemployment insurance, if you decide to, um, because, you know, guess what? You know, one of the leading causes of death and injury for men, you know, back in those days, in the 1800s and 1900s and early 19th century, was their job. It was their job that killed them. It was the unhealthy and unsafe and unsanitary conditions at work that was killing men okay the chemicals that they were exposed to the the um the, the lack of safety initiatives that were implemented so someone had to get their hand chopped off their limbs chopped off become a cripple um uh, uh get get killed and then five six seven eight nine ten people die from the same injuries, from the same exact accidents because a businessman or industrialist wanted to cut corners and then it wasn't until people said enough is enough and started boycotting and striking and fighting with labor and fire hoses were initiated by fire departments and cops were sending dogs out and to, to bite the legs of these laborers that were just fighting to be treated like a three-dimensional human being to things exact that things decided to change that things actually change. There is no what? There is no relinquishing of power without struggle. Right? There is none. It's just that simple. And so here we are, 2021. Those 13 people are never spoken about. I don't know any movies about them. Not starring Matt Damon or, or whoever. None of that. Okay, this is important. This is extremely important because this is why we're all here today. 
I remember I mentioned Hannah. I think I mentioned Hannah Arendt, German philosopher, German political theorist. And she mentioned something. I think I was, I can't remember what I was talking about. I was talking about a, a certain situation I had with a, with a, a, a company that I was partnered and contracted with. And I, I mentioned that, um, that, um, we're all, we are all, we're all are equally powerless. We have a tyranny without a tyrant. There's sort of a tyranny without a tyrant where you don't know where to present your grievances, even though you, you, you have grievances and you don't know who to go to. And it's these various reams of bureaucracy that you have to go through. And um, you have to ask yourself right now, if you have a real problem at work, if you work for a big company that has, I don't know, a hundred locations across the country. Mm -hmm. Who do you go to? You go to your manager, you go to your assistant manager, your manager, and you're just maybe, I don't want to call you the lowest person on the totem pole, but let's just say you're not in management. Just you are an employee. You go to your manager, you have a grievance. You go to your, your assistant manager, your manager, your supervisor, your general manager, your area manager, your human, human resource manager. It's going to take about six or seven or eight people to screw in that little light bulb of yours, huh? Mm-hmm. This is what happens when you do not have unionized labor. As of right now in 2021, only 10% of American workers are union. That's down from about 30 or 40% or 50% years and years and years ago, four or five decades ago. That's done. So now your, 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 your employer tells you, oh, you can just talk to me if you have a problem. If talking to your employer was all you needed to do, you would have never had the labor struggles that you had. Understand something, ladies and gentlemen. Let's do a little simple math, okay? Let's do a little simple math. Let me ask you a question. What happened in 1865? Hmm? 1865. What? That's when we, what, in America, abolished slavery. And I put that in quotes. And that didn't really go into effect until about, I don't know, 1868, so to speak. So that means that our banking industry, which many of you maybe don't know, but our banking industry was pretty much built on cotton. That was the oil of its day. It was one of our surplus products. It was the product that we were using to sell all over the world. And who was picking that cotton? It was shackled Africans that were brought here in chains, etc., etc. Okay. So that means for about a couple of hundred years, the United States was using labor that had no voice, <laughs> that were tethered to the land, that had no say so in how they were used or abused no collective bargaining no arbitration they were called slaves okay so you abolished this 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 uh infrastructure in 1865 and then in 1882 you have a uh a labor day right so let's talk about that that's 17 years later and then right after that, in 1894, you have a federal holiday based on the fact that you killed people that were fighting to be treated with dignity and respect as laborers from a country that wasn't accustomed to treating its laborers with dignity and respect. It didn't become rich treating its laborers with dignity and respect. It didn't create its banking system treating its laborers with dignity and respect. And now all of a sudden you want dignity and respect. We're not accustomed to that. So the American worker had to bleed and bleed. They did for decades through the 1800s, all through the 1900s. And your unions were able to be a voice for you, employee advocacy for you to be able to speak to the owners and the managers and say, hey, listen, we have to talk about these conditions. It's not safe. It's not this. It's not that. It's not this. It's not that. We need wages. We need wage increases. Don't you see the cost of living? Your workers are working 40 hours a week, and yet they're just working themselves into poverty because of the wages that you're paying them. You guys are making all of this money. 
and, and all of a sudden now you have a seat at the table because you have advocates on your behalf and they say things like, if we don't get this wage thing situated, our people are going to strike and there's going to be what? A job halt, a workforce halt. We are going to stop production. And let's see how you like that. And that's what happened all throughout the 19th century. And it was bloody and it was nasty. I can go on and on and on. But like I said, we're going to focus on those 13 people that we had a moment of silence for. I can't find I didn't look for their names. And I'm and I'm and I should have before I did this. I should have tried to find their names. But I remember years ago when I, I did a report in school or something when I was in undergrad. And I couldn't find their names then. And, you know, you know, I feel bad about that. I would like maybe someone to do a documentary on those 13 people, you know, in the, in the Pullman strike. As a matter of fact, maybe I'll have to be that person to do that documentary or something like that because they're important. And 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 it leads me to where we are today. It's 2021. And Americans beat on their chests about their freedoms. I don't want to get this. I don't want to get that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But yet it seems as if we leave all of that bluster and big chestedness. We leave all of that energy at the door of our jobs and we leave it there and we open up the door to our jobs and we leave out in front all of that bluster, all of that talk about this is Trump's America or this is such and such as America and defund this and deflower that and do D whatever. But it seems like we leave all of that energy at the door and we walk into these jobs and we're quiet as church mice. And it seems to be we have a tyranny without a tyrant. Factory decides to leave and go to wherever else for cheaper wages. We don't say anything. We go, mew, mew. Economic collapse occurs in 2008, 2009. And I remember reading report after report after report about the silent poverty that was going on in the suburbs of America. And I saw it firsthand. I saw it firsthand. I have family that live in very affluent neighborhoods in parts of New York City and in parts of Florida. And all of a sudden, their fancy supermarkets would have these little signs that said, we now accept food stamps and wick. What? You mean with the Rolls Royces in the parking lot? You're accepting food stamps? The silent poverty that happened in the suburbs. Yes, you had your Occupy movement. You had your 99%, 1%. But... Most of the people stayed home and treated the injustices that were happening to them economically as if it was something that was only happening to them. The majority of the people that were affected, that were getting foreclosed upon, that were getting their homes taken from them because bankers decided to move paper, move decimal points from one side of the line item sheet to the other and completely unraveled our system where we became a system of not making things, but just moving things around on, on, on spreadsheets that became our economy, a spreadsheet economy instead of a manufacturing economy where you can tangibly see supply, demand, manufacturing, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what happened? Here you are in 2021 where you have people living in vans saying enough is enough. People committed suicide. Middle-aged white men jumped off of buildings, ate their gun, cut their throats, did everything from 2007 to 2009. That's what was going on in America. We internalized what the market did to the American worker. The American worker didn't do that in 1894, in the 1900s. That worker took to the streets. That worker said, this won't stand. That worker said, uh-uh, time is up. As a matter of fact, I can't remember which city it was in, but um, farmers were withholding, um, I think it was, I can't remember what crop it was. I think it was corn. Ugh, I wish I remembered this, but the judge tried to compel the farmers to sell their um, uh, uh, goods at this low, low, low price. And the farmers dragged the judge out of the courthouse. <laughs> Said, nah, <laughs> we're not doing that. 
because right now we're starving. Luckily, we can feed ourselves because we have a farm. But all of this land, all of this, all of this surplus product we have is going to go to waste because we can't sell it. Because you're telling us we used to get 48 cents for it. Now we can only get eight cents for it. That doesn't make sense. And they dragged that judge out of his courthouse. Where was the dragging? It's 2021. In 2008. Occupying. In 2021. When jobs, when, when, when your buildings are now shut down for whatever reason. And your jobs are shut down for whatever reason. And uh, 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 even though you've, you've put 30 resumes and filled out 100 applications, no one's even calling you back at the wage that you used to get. But yet employers want to say, huh, nobody wants to work. Hmm? What's going on? What I want to know is, is the sacrifice of those 13 workers in 1894, does that mean anything to you right now in 2021? You workers out there, people out there that feel that they're not being treated like a three-dimensional human being, the people out there that feel that they're being underpaid and underappreciated, what are you going to do about it? All th everything that you have now right now as a worker like it or not it's not perfect but you got it not because of the benevolence of the ownership class or the management class or your politicians it's because the worker you listening to me the worker took to the streets and forced their politicians and their business people to act okay that's what happened FDR was forced to act after the Great Depression, after the banking sector in our country fell apart. The socialists, the communists, the capitalists, the workers, the laborers, the unions all got together and the barbarians were at the gate in Washington, D.C. and said, listen, if you don't get us back to work, we're going to flip this system upside down. So guess what? FDR said, all right, if the capitalists and the industrialists won't hire you, then I will. Then you had the largest government employment program that this country has ever seen. Roads were built. Bridges were built. Buildings were erected. People were paid to be artists and artisans and painters and dancers and troops and everything like that. Everything happened, and that's what saved, quote-unquote, saved our system today. And a whole lot of reforms were made in the meantime. Before the Great Depression, you had seven, eight, nine-year-olds working in coal mines. And the only reason why they didn't continue to work in those coal mines was because you had to save those jobs for able-bodied adults because there were so few jobs left. And companies loved to hire little kids because little kids, guess what, can't complain, can't argue. So you had little boys dying at the age of 15, 16 from black lung and all types of noxious chemicals, right? That's what was going on. That's what was going on, ladies and gentlemen, okay? In the time of your grandfather and your grandma, or your great-grandfather and your great-grandma, that's what was going on in this country. Those men, those women, those children died were sacrificed so we can sit here and have a sick day, a PTO, a lunch break, an eight-hour work day where a, a, the boss can't just call you on, on Saturday when you're not scheduled to work and say, come in or else. Just can't happen like that. All of these things were given to us by the blood and the toil and the injury and the sacrifice that were made by these workers. These workers deserve more. What these workers deserve, if you ask me, is the American worker of 2021 to carry on tradition, 
because all we keep hearing about is that the American wage hasn't increased in 40 plus years. If you value is the wage hasn't increased since the 1970s. And if you value it for the price of inflation, cost of inflation, the average worker should be making a minimum wage somewhere between 18 and 20 something dollars an hour. That's what we keep hearing. What's the American minimum wage right now? Still around seven bucks an hour, getting to 10 bucks, maybe. Is that where we are? Maybe trying to get to 15. Is that where we are? Has anyone seen the price of rent recently? Any cost of rent? Should should we be in a system right now where that's actually up for debate? Hmm, I don't know. But all I'm saying is I don't see it. When I turn on my news, do you see it? Remember, we spoke about this, ladies and gentlemen. We spoke about be careful what they tell you is important. When you look at your paycheck, that's important. When you see how much your check has to stretch from the first one, all those bills are due on the first of the month. The car note, the car insurance, the rent, all of those things. If you own a home, the home in, home insurance, the, the utilities, the gas, and you see this this money is supposed to last me. Every two weeks, you look at how much you make for a month and you look at your expenses and you say, my God. And you wonder why you have trillion dollar car loan debt, trillion dollar mortgage debt, trillion dollar student loan debt, the holy trillionity, <laughs> the unholy trinity. You wonder why? Because somehow, somewhere you have to use a credit card, not as a luxury, it's not a luxury item. It's not a it's not a, a, a peripheral item. It's essential for you to cover your bills. For you to live in just a decent neighborhood where you're not going to get your head chopped off, you're realizing that it's an exorbitant amount of money because we're creating more and more scarcity. All I'm saying is um based on the struggle of those people, what are we going to do about it? Because I'm looking at the American worker in 2021 and the American worker hasn't been in a great place since 2008. Yeah, there was a bit of a rebound. Remember right around the 2011s and stuff like that. Where was I living at the time? I was in Italy at the, no, no, I wasn't. I was in, yes, by the time there was somewhat of a rebound, I was living in Hawaii. Yeah, I was in Waikiki and I was seeing, oh, okay, yeah, industries were catching up. I noticed that I was contracting and doing some work and all of a sudden my my fee that I charged I was able to charge more I noticed that in my field people was able to charge more so I charged more I was like okay good awesome awesome so I was able to read those tea leaves but as I look at everything now um guess what where are we going to be right now where are the people in the streets where are the people screaming about economic justice where are the people screaming about the ri raising the minimum wage or having some sort of program in place where, okay, if you're not going to raise my wages, at least have some sort of housing matrix infrastructure in place for me to, to, to rent a home that is commensurate to how much money I'm making. And let's not call it the projects, please. I've seen projects in, in other in other countries do it pretty well i've seen low-income housing for actual workers and it's it's uh it's a lot more comfortable than what you would consider low-income housing in the united states and i'm asking on this labor day september 6 2021 what are we going to do about this is there something to be done are we okay with it i mean because if you like it i love it okay what are we going to do about it are we good do we like it the way it is are we okay with this eight-hour workday? I personally feel that the eight-hour workday is too long. I feel that getting up to go to work, then working and getting home from work, that, that's about nine-plus hours out of a 24-hour day. And yet, this, and yet we live in a country that both political parties like to speak about their family first, and they're all about family. How are you all about family when these parents... Both parents have to go to work to sustain a lifestyle, just a regular moderate lifestyle, and no one gets to see their children. You get home from work around four, five, six o'clock. The child has been either home by themselves or 
uh, in some after school program where there, which is a glorified babysitting program. And, and you, you guys eat dinner and everybody washes up and goes to sleep and gets ready to do the same thing tomorrow. And before you know it, you wake up and your child is a teenager and then they're an adult and they have their own views and everything else. And you hope that you get a couple of weeks off a vacation per year to do something together as a quote unquote family. And Saturday you're spent fixing little things in the house and doing the grocery shopping and all those little things and errands and chores and chores and chores. But yet we claim to be a nation that we care about family values, but yet we're not, we don't seem to make time for parents to be parents to their children and children to bond with their parents. You're only going to have your kid for a certain amount of time and then they turn into adults and then they have to go and they're going to spend more time as adults searching for who they are than they are going to be spent under your tutelage, under your bosom. So you would think that we would create a society that was more organic and would, would, would um, uh, create some sort of symbiotic relationship between family, labor, values things of that nature to create this society, but we don't, but we don't. And so in closing, I would like to thank all the men, women, and children who gave their lives and sacrificed and were killed by the state, by state decree they were treated like criminals. They were freedom fighters fighting for a better work day, fighting so they could be treated like human beings 24 hours out of the day, not just when they got home and spent time with their families, but also while they were at work. They still wanted to be treated like adults. They wanted to be treated like full-blooded human beings with dignity and respect they wanted an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. They didn't want to be treated like those other people were treated post-1865. Yeah. So I dedicate this show to them. And I dedicate this show to the people in 2021 that are the spirit animals and the spirit cousins and the spirit kin to those people who gave their lives for the labor struggle. Happy Labor Day, everyone. Till next time.